What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. This is a HeadGum Podcast. Welcome to A Few Things, where we give our greatest discoveries the podcast they deserve. I'm Claire Mazur. And I'm Erica Cerullo. This show is brought to you by Evakind. Find out more and sign up for our newsletter at evakind.com. I'm still working the peanut butter out of my teeth. <laughs> I felt like you could hear it when I did the intro. Maybe. Well, it's also, I mean, I understand that you claim you didn't have a lot of options for snacks and all of these things. Peanut butter crackers are bound. The worst. They're not it was good peanut for peanut podcast recording. Peanut butter crackers or dried mango, which also really gets stuck no, in your I, teeth. No, those are not good options. Neither of these. They just get stuck in your in your. I throat, didn't expect to teeth. be so hungry. Because you know why? You should never order greens as a side from a, a like Chinese or Thai restaurant. You never want to eat it when it comes. Yeah. Great point. <laughs> Just dishing out knowledge here on this podcast. <laughs> well, um, I'm just saying I made that mistake. Now you, now our audience doesn't have to. Totally. You can do it at the restaurant. They're okay, always satisfying. Then you just never want to take out. I don't think anybody wants Love anymore. a pea shoot at the restaurant. Just never delivery. Yeah. You know? good. Wow. It just keeps getting richer, this content. <laughs> Speaking just, of rich content, <laughs> the, the topic that you've teed up for us is just <laughs> from pea shoots. This is an excellent segue. Oh my gosh, what a segue. Wait till everybody hears. Garlic. No, garlic <laughs> press. The garlic press is a very hotly contested topic. Yeah, totally. Garlic press, not just garlic, which I didn't know. And I never had a garlic press in, in my life growing up. My parents never used it, which I didn't think much of. And then... As an adult, when I was unleashed into other people's kitchens, I started noticing how many people used it. And then one day, like kind of early on in my relationship with Chris, I was like, why don't I have a garlic press? Like, I yeah. really want one. It seems great to not get it all over your hands. Yeah. He not only got me a garlic press, but he got it inscribed on the handle. He got it. No, engraved. Yeah, engraved. It says tough bitch. Because also yeah. at this point in time, I was really... Like, I really liked the idea of being perceived as tough. Like, I, when what era was this? I don't remember. This. I feel like I'm sure we were fundraising. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't want to make sense. I didn't want to be seen as like nice cute. or meek I, yeah, or cute. I wanted to be a tough bitch. Uh -huh. So I have this really wonderful garlic and press. Thank God your garlic press is that. Or you <laughs> it never says remember. tough bitch. That's right. And I really, pr I, I feel very proud of it. And then come to find out uh, as part of the really incredibly sad news about Anthony Bourdain's death. 
that he and a whole school of people think garlic presses are terrible. I knew people thought I garlic presses were terrible, but I've used one for years anyway. I had no idea. You know why I've used it for years anyway? Because I think it like just impl- like not using it implies I'm so much more discerning than I am. Mm. You know what I mean? It's, I think you're very discerning. Well, it, it with food or that like I'm like, it's like, oh, as if I could taste the difference between like a bottle of $12 wine and like $34 well, wine. But like, like it's that same idea to, in my mind that like mm-hmm. I could tell the difference between garlic shoved through a garlic press mm-hmm. and garlic like finely diced. Yeah, no, I hear what you're saying, but I feel like there's so many other things where like you would never use garlic powder. No, but that's different. That's yeah. like, that's like. Would you ever buy the what pre-peeled is is, garlic? No, but my parents buy pre-peeled garlic all yeah. the time. Um, my parents also buy the garlic in the jar that you scoop out. The pre-cut yeah. garlic, the pre-chopped garlic. Yeah, totally. I mean, listen, I think garlic is so not fun to handle that I understand all of these shortcuts. Um, I hate chopping garlic. It's I terrible. Hate, I like don't like chopping onions, but I really hate chopping garlic. Thomas will chop garlic. Do you think our lives would be improved by a knife, a knife skills class and we wouldn't hate it so much? Answer to your first question. Do you think our lives would be improved by a knife skills class? 100%. Do you think we'd hate chopping garlic less? No. I think we might. Should we take a knife skills class? Okay. I I really do kind of want to do because I also hate chopping onions so much. I hate chopping everything. Like I'll put anything I can through the Cuisinart Cuisinart food processor. Because I hate chopping. But I take my Cuisinart out like quarterly it just yeah. doesn't have a presence in my life it's I very would, interesting i just hate chopping so much that i'd rather dirty the cuisinart but i am now the thing is i think part of the reason i, I do consider myself discerning and i do actually understand well, the logic not, it's not not and it's not discerning no, it's just I like just, my, as though my palate is so well i get very picky about like when i notice like chris takes certain shortcuts that i want to take and i'm like oh, what am i doing and so then I was like, wait, am I actually destroying the garlic? I think I'm still going to use a garlic press. And here's why. I hate chopping garlic. I hate the 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 smell on your hand and it just never comes off. I contest that it never comes off because I swear by that stainless steel rub away bar. Yeah. I, do you have that thing? No, I don't I'd, know why. We've been friends for so long. I, I don't understand I how you haven't. Yeah. But it's because it's, I never have that problem anymore because now I have a garlic press. No, totally. I, you have solved the problem. It's It's for onions too. So yeah, basically, but, you just rub your hand on this thing. It yeah. looks like a bar of soap. It's not. So but you don't you have to be scared that it's a bar soap of soap. Also? Yeah. Okay. You just like squirt some soap onto your hands. You okay. rub it all around on this bar and the stainless steel absorbs the smell from your fingers. That is a good idea. It's, a, it's you know an $8 what I, solution. You know what I would use it for more than, than onion or garlic? Dying to know. <laughs> Curry. Never uh, yeah. gets off your hands. Yeah, totally. Never. Ginger. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to smell like ginger either. Um, well, I, oh, go ahead. No, I I can't remember what I was going to say. Well, I was going to say that my least favorite thing, my only complaint about the garlic press is the, the, what do you call that? The like skin that it leaves in the garlic press. But then I was reading a defense of the garlic press by Bon Appetit, an authority might I add in the field. A true authority. So it, it, it made me feel a little bit better. And they recommended the OXO garlic press because it's basically, as OXO is wont to do, they solve all of it. I have that one. Oh, How's it work to I get the skin out? I didn't know that there were other ones that didn't have this thing. The tough bitch one doesn't. Yeah, so <laughs> the basically the OXO garlic mm-hmm. press has a little rubber pad, yeah. a little red rubber pad that has um, 
nodes on mm-hmm. it that push the the garlic back out the other side. Yeah, that sounds kind great. Of. Yeah, it's fine. Does I it work? Sure. I okay. don't think it's like a revelation, maybe. But I ha- but I don't have a tough bitch one, so I can't yeah. say. I the tough bitch one has more personality but less function. Um, I would say. The one last note I wanted to make on this, uh-huh. the thing that made me feel better about having a garlic press is when Gabby Dalkin, who um, mm-hmm. of the blog What's Gabby Cooking, mm-hmm. um, was doing a lot of snap episodes of, yeah. of recipes, she used a garlic press a lot and she did something that blew my mind, yeah. which is she stuck the garlic cloves in unpeeled into the garlic press. It's too, it's, is, it's very hard to squeeze. I've oh, tried yeah. it. I don't, I don't particularly like the experience, but I, it didn't even occur to me that you could like tr- do so that. So she just has a lot of muscle. I think she's she really strong. She has a lot strong. of hand muscle. I believe that. Yeah, I think she's really I buy strong. that. There's also a really, there's a really good um, like Bon Appetit video around how to peel a bunch of garlic at once with a knife trick. Like it's basically about like smashing them all. In yeah, a row. exactly. Yeah. yeah. I don't, I don't mind peeling garlic. No, I much, don't mind peeling garlic so, either. Yeah, I'm fine with it. Um, can you tell me about something that you have in your house from all the kind that you love recently? <laughs> I Specifically can't imagine what house. you're talking about. Yeah. This time I'm on script. Great. This time I'm reading the right thing. Great. Um, I'm really into these Hawkins candle holders that we got. I actually have a question. It's a candlestick. Wh- which part? Well, that's what I'm asking about. It says here on my thing it's the Hawkins candlesticks, but is the stick the candle or the thing that's holding it? The stick is the candle, the okay, candlestick, so and then the holder is the little. The holder. So I, it, it's the the Hawkins candle holder that I yeah, like. Yeah. It's for pillar candles. Yes. They're like fancy like you would find on a formal dining table, but because they're wood and they come in beautiful colors, I they just have a sort of playful charm about them. And I am really into the pink ones because then you can buy the pillar candles that we have on the site that are also pink, but a slightly different floral society. Yeah, they're Mm -hmm. by floral society. They're slightly different shades of pink. So you have a tonal thing going on, which I'm very into these days. These days. It's been going on for a while. Yeah. For the last five years. Yeah. But I, it looks, the pink and the pink look so good together and I'm very into it. I, I, it could also make a very sweet gift to give the candle holders and the candles together. Yeah. It's cute. Are we giving a discount on both of them? May as well now that sure, you've now really that I've, the shit out of them. <laughs> now that I've done this. Um, 10% off on both with the code a few things. Yeah. Should we bring on our guest? Let's do it. So excited about our next guest. Um, we have worked with her on a couple different panels before. Um, her name is Claire Wasserman. She is a career coach and the founder of Ladies Get Paid, a platform that gives tools and resources to help women advance in their career. Um, I feel like platform such a funny word, but it is the it is the most concise way of explaining Ladies Get Paid. We but- couldn't figure it out. Well, but it is the most all-encompassing word for the, these sorts of things. But will you will you give us the long-winded version of what Ladies Get Paid does? Yeah, I mean, we provide uh, career development for women. I mean, our mission is to close the wage and the leadership gap, which is obviously a huge endeavor. Um, and we joke that we're trying to put ourselves out of business, but unfortunately, <laughs> it'll probably not happen in our lifetime. Mm-hmm. Sadly, so the way that we're approaching it is by giving women education. So online, offline, we've got um, a network, this private online network where, gosh, at this point, probably like 25,000 women are on it. It's absolutely wild. They, you know, talk about struggles they're experiencing at work and trade advice and resources. It's kind of like crowdfunding your work advice uh, or crowdsourcing your work advice. And 
they have a jobs channel also. So, you know, that's where kind of the platform comes in uh, that they're facilitating. And then on our end, we do, you know, workshops, webinars, a conference. Um, we sometimes work with companies to facilitate internal programming. Um, and then in the future, hopefully the near future, we'll start working on a more policy, you know, in a macro way. Right now it's about arming the individual um, and, and making sure that they're empowering themselves. But of course, you know, real change isn't going to happen until, you know, companies and the government's doing the right thing to, you know, empower women to do better, be better uh, at companies. Um, when you when you talk about, you know, em- empowering women as individuals in this context, when someone comes to a ladies get paid event, what do you hope they walk away with? Mm. Well, the, the email that I get after pretty much every event, and I've I mean, last year we did 160 events and I traveled to 18 cities and we've had 9,000 attendees and and literally I get the same email after every event and it's always, I thought I was the only one. Mm. You know, I can't believe, you know, other women go through this. I thought I was crazy. And so that's like my first, you know, before we can start figuring out what to do at work, we have to know that we're not alone. Um, and, And also admit, wow, this like, you know, uncomfortable situation. I was at, you know, at work and I didn't know, like, should I feel like it's uncomfortable? Maybe it's me, maybe it's them. Understanding that this is something much bigger than you. There's a system, uh, there are power dynamics. And for a lot of the women in our community, they just started to realize that um, most women who join Ladies Get Paid are on the cusp of 30. So, you know, they've been working for some time, you know, building our skills their middle management trying to get into leadership and they're like hitting some kind of wall. So, you know, back to your question. Yes. The first thing I want them to know is they're not alone. And the second thing is, is okay, what can I do Monday at work that, you know, where I'm advocating for myself in some way Mm -hmm. and that can be small. It can be speaking up in a meeting. It could be saying no to some, you know, push, you know, pushing back or setting a boundary. It could be, telling another woman she's great, you know, supporting other female employees, right? So I don't want people to feel like this, even though it's so much bigger than them, it doesn't take massive effort on their part to make change in their life. If there were one thing you that could you could change on sort of like a big picture level, like a policy or a law um, that you think is, is, is sort of getting in the way of equal pay in the biggest way, what do you think it is? By far, parental leave, mm-hmm. by far. Yeah. Huge drop off uh, with women taking what is barely a maternal leave, um, which and also to expect that women are the ones who should leave. Right. I mean, both both parents should be able to spend yeah. time with their child yeah. and it'll alleviate a lot of you know responsibility just on the woman. So that's huge. Um, what does your says, ideal uh, family, family leave, leave plan, policy yeah. look like? Mm. Good question. Um, we've kind of stayed out of the conversation so far because it's such a big yeah. thing mm-hmm. and we're really sort of focusing on, for us, um, pay transparency, yeah. the salary history ban. So, mm-hmm. But in terms of parental leave, I mean, I would just love to see more time given yeah. um, to both parents. Um, and I would love to see, I mean, the fact that women, when they come back to work, assuming they come back to work, mm-hmm. the wage gap widens for yeah. them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then when fathers come back to work, you the know, opposite or, happens. Or presuming they, <laughs> yeah. it, it doesn't even, it doesn't hurt them at all. In yeah, fact, yeah. fathers make more money than non-fathers. Yeah. 
so it's like they're being rewarded. You know, they now have a family to take care of. They're seen as trustworthy and responsible and right, accountable to this whole family. Yep. Exactly. Right. So they're, you know, one part of it is making sure that people are given appropriate leave. The other part is when they get back, you know, how can HR make sure that compensation doesn't change? Um, And then, you know, third, I think it's subsidizing childcare in some way. Patagonia has done a really good job. You know, they have childcare on premise. I know not every company can afford to do that. Mm -hmm. Curious to see if the government could help as they do in other countries because childcare is too expensive. So, you know, out of a couple and assuming it's a heterosexual couple, Mm -hmm. um, the person who makes the least amount of money usually is the one who stays home to take care of the child, you know, and that is usually the woman or the fact that women tend to be the default caretaker anyway. So, you know, and then they get further and further behind in their career. And we have a number of those women in our community who for years now, they've been stay-at-home moms. Mm -hmm. And to get back into the workforce to figure out what to put on their CV, you know, and and then they're interviewing the confidence building, how they translate their skills as a stay-at-home mom to appeal to a, a prospective employer. So, you know, though the age average age of a woman joining ladies get paid is like 29 the women a lot of the women who need so much help are those who are coming back into the workforce yeah so, how do you how do you yeah. advise those women what do you tell them about updating their resumes and getting back out there and sort of explaining for the the gap or, or making that a gap appealing yeah i mean we have a class um i mean there's a couple of different classes that we teach um that really are applicable to anybody who's trying to figure out how to express who they are and why they should be hired. Mm -hmm. Um, And so for somebody who's coming back to the workforce, it's honestly the same kind of challenge for somebody who's um, changing their industry um, or role. So again, it's, okay, what have you done before um, where you can show that those skills um, relate to what this new job is? And so you basically have to get very creative and you have to learn how to tell your story in a compelling way. I kind of joke that like, friends with marketing people or sales people or PR people. Uh, so, you know, there's a whole process in, in doing that that I actually don't think is particular to them. Yep. So it's, it's great to have classes where there's all different people in different stages. You obviously teach people so much. What have you learned? What have been your biggest takeaways from people attending your, your events and, and being part of your Slack platform? Um, I think, the ability to be honest and vulnerable, um, not feeling like there's really been any space um, mm-hmm. for them to do that before. Yeah. Um, and to say things publicly. I mean, even if it's on an online forum, just, you know, people are sharing serious stuff they're going through. We mm-hmm. have um, a channel called Is This Legal? Mm-hmm. And just it's a good like, name, by the way. Oh, God. Yeah. I mean, because I get asked a lot of legal questions. I'm like, I definitely should not be answering you. But there's a channel and people are at least recommending lawyers, you know, so. But I think, again, the first step to getting help is kind of admitting that you need help. Mm -hmm. Um, And so watching them share these intimate details. I was a sociology major, uh, which I thought was kind of my, I don't know, bullshit degree, but it's kind of what I do for a living. Yeah. I get to watch this unfold online. It's really fascinating. Who are some women in sort of the public space or um, who are, you know, maybe a little famous um, who you think do a good job of really advocating for themselves and being leaders on that front? Mm. Um, I, I mean, right now, the things that are the people who are coming to mind are all the women who are now running for office. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I just, I'm like totally wowed by the woman who just became the, uh, the mayor of San Francisco, 
Mm-hmm. Um, there's a woman running in Kentucky, basically any woman in a state that is not friendly to progressives yeah. uh, or, or never seen a woman or, you know, be in that position of power or a woman of color. So no one person in particular is coming to mind, but I now in our podcast we do, I want to start doing like a whole series where I'm interviewing them. Talk I have two suggestions it. for you. Yeah. Um, oh, you from do? People, yeah. yeah. One is Ellen Pompeo, That's who I was the star of Grey's oh my Anatomy, gosh. who wrote an incredible essay in The Hollywood, Hollywood Reporter, Reporter yeah. about getting paid what she's worth. And it just, oh, like, you just fist pump your way through the you entire You love, read. love, 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 love it. So the other person is Cindy Gallup, who is a former advertising executive, now has a really wonderful sort of sex positive company called Make Love Not Porn. Um, and her piece of advice that Eric and I both it's the best freely. financial advice yeah. I think I've ever I've ever heard. <laughs> we we give it to everybody and it is um and it's when you're, you know, if you're having to negotiate for pay or name your rate, especially in a vacuum. Yeah, the answer is always it's the biggest number you can say out loud without laughing. Um and it is it's the right answer. It's so good because you know, we get uh, we're in a women's group with Cindy and a ton of people write in and say, hey, I got asked to do this speaking gig or hey, I got asked to do this brand partnership. Does anybody have context for like what's the right rate? And of course, the answers are always all over the map and there's so many factors. So it never feels like there's a satisfying answer except for the biggest number you can say out loud without laughing. And I think the key word that you just said actually is out loud because yeah. when we teach salary negotiation, we call it a fuck you number, right? Mm-hmm. You, you pick three. You've got your like the highest possible number you possibly can, you know, for example, what you just said, you have feeling good, which is the number probably in the middle of the pay band and you'd be proud to get, and of course, the bottom line. And with the, the fuck you money, we always say to the room, you know, say it out loud. And people kind of say it quietly or they laugh. And then we take a moment to explore, well, why does that make you uncomfortable? Right. Right. And then we make them say it again and again and just louder and louder. And then it becomes real. You have to hear yourself say it. Um, And also, again, taking the time, you know, if you are struggling with saying it out loud, you know, and feeling uncomfortable, dig into it. Mm -hmm. This is a time to, like, examine your values around money and, like, it go to therapy and you know this is so much bigger than just the number yeah Yeah. so I always like to kind of contextualize that with you know for many people they are going to laugh at a kind of lower number right so it's like why why right you know I love that though so you were recently hit with a lawsuit um which you were pretty public about can you tell us about that and what it's meant for your business Oh, yeah. Okay. Let me cliff notes version, which is not possible. So I'll just talk fast. Um, <laughs> so, okay. So the reason I started Ladies Get Paid first and foremost was I needed a space in my own life to talk about really sort of intimate details of struggles that I was going through, challenges I was experiencing at work that, you know, I didn't feel comfortable talking about with everybody. And so I started to host events, you know, these town halls where women came and talk about, you know, not getting a promotion or being sexually harassed or whatever it was. I thought if I let men in the room, I, there's just no way these women would share, you know, as candidly uh, and as vulnerably as they were doing. So I I made my events for female identifying um, and non-binary people only. And did that for about 18 months before I got sued. So, you know, it worked for a while and never crossed my mind that I was discriminating against men. Although of course, you know, 
I guess if you're not letting a certain group of people in, maybe you are discriminating. Just the purpose of it just to me made so much sense. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we've got members all over the world, but we're currently uh, hosting in-person events in 19 cities. And so last year I got an email from my San Diego committee. They had hosted a happy hour um, at a bar. They actually had closed the bar down. It was a private event, although that doesn't matter. And we discovered that there was apparently a man who tried to attend and he wasn't allowed in. So he sued the bar. He sued Ladies Get Paid and he sued me personally. Wow. And we look him up and we, you know, to our kind of, we're just horrified to find he actually is part of a group called the Men's, uh, the National Coalition for Men. It is the country's oldest men's rights group. Yes, men's rights groups exist. Uh, How old is it? Oh, goodness. I'll have to look that up. I mean, <laughs> I think my point with that is they're legitimate. Yeah. Um, they met with Betsy DeVos when she did her tour of colleges um, when she was exploring sexual assault on campus hmm. um, because the two things that they focus on are workplace discrimination for men and also protecting men against false rape allegations. Okay. So what they're not, <laughs> what, what, I mean, they're not What friends. hooks to hang your hat on? <laughs> I mean, they operate from a place where they just firmly believe that men are the ones who are at a disadvantage Mm -hmm. and women are not. And so they sue. So anyway, this guy, you know, he has sued other people. This lawyer who represents him has sued over 300 other groups, all citing the same civil rights law. It's called the Unruh Civil Rights Act. It is only in California. So there are civil rights acts all over the country. Each state has their own. And California's civil rights law is very broad, right? It's progressive. So that's great. You know, it was enacted in 1959. But the bad news is it can be exploited because it's so broad. And that's actually why California, I think, is one of the most litigious states Mm -hmm. in the country, because they have these broad laws. Anyway, I've learned a lot about the law. (laughs) I, you know, I watch The Good Wife a lot. But (laughs) so I'm like now feel like I've gone to law school. Unfortunately, the day that I got sued was the day that I came home from the women's march. And there it was. So again, you know, this is, this is pretty ideological. Um, And then we, we settled, by the way, I should mention the reason we settled is in a civil rights case, if you go to court and you lose, you actually have to pay the legal fees of the other side. Mm. And so we're not a nonprofit, could not get pro bono counsel, very expensive. I mean, really people who can, you know, afford to go to court literally have to be able to afford it. Yeah. <laughs> like you yeah, have to have money. Of course. And it was too iffy, you know, what if we lost and this other side, this guy, this is really what he does. Why would he not drag it out? Right. Of course. And we want to get back to the work we do. So I, you know, and that's also a shame because so many of these cases that he brings, everyone just settles. And then what happens is there isn't precedence that set ever, right? Because no one's right. going to court and being able to show that so they just hey, bring listen, more and more cases. Exactly. Because the judges haven't ruled in our favor. The judges haven't thrown these out. So it's been this, this, I mean, it's been going on for years. Thank you for coming on. But more importantly, thank you for the work that you do. It re- You are actually really changing lives. Um, and it is so obvious just from, from the stories you tell and the stories that we hear coming out of Ladies Get Paid. And we wish you all of the the luck and the good fortune and um, and just the yeah baller success you deserve yeah, yeah. and we hope yeah. you get really rich yeah doing this oh, yeah. yeah yeah for oh, sure yeah. and yeah. and Claire I think I've, I told you I yeah. never forgot when you told the room at our town hall that you wanted to be a billionaire <laughs> and and I tell that story all the time because I love that you followed it up with 
did that make you uncomfortable? Like, <laughs> turn, you know, and, I and think again, it like, used right. to make me uncomfortable, but now I'm just like, no, I want to be rich. Why wouldn't I? Well, and, I also think, <laughs> and you, I think, also contextualized it even more, which, and I talk about this a lot too, which is I want influence. Yeah. yeah. I want yeah. power. I want to be able to like give to good causes and like fund the companies I believe in. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, invest yeah. and things like that. That's the show. You can listen to us wherever podcasts are found, like Stitcher, iTunes, leave us a review, and now Spotify. Follow us at ofakind on Instagram and Twitter and like our Facebook page. If you have ideas or requests for the show, email them to a few things at ofakind.com. To advertise on our podcast, email advertising at ofakind.com. Our intro music, Butterfield East, is written and performed by the Soulful Saints. Our audio editing is done by Liz Smith, and we record at Showbiz Studios in the East Village. about our theme song it is called butterfield east and it is composed and performed by the soulful saints you can check them out over at dallarecords.com that was a headgum podcast